So I've been thinking about something. Okay. I think we definitely need a like intro, like a jingle or like like a little music thing in the beginning of our podcast. I don't disagree. <laughs> I I literally I said uh, a couple of episodes ago I did say to you we had this discussion I was like we need we need some form of an intro. Yeah. Um I I also got a couple of messages from people like, and they were saying like, have like a car startup or something. And I was like, no, that's weird. But, um, <laughs> a car, no. I, I don't know, but it does work. I mean, like a car starting up is quite cool. I'm not going to lie, but it doesn't really be, suit. But yeah, you, you want to be nice to listen to you. You spoke about a lion roaring. Yeah, I was thinking about that because it's the bush and whatever. But at the same time, I also wonder if that is like, not that comfortable because like it's a cool sound don't get me wrong and i love a lion roaring mm. but i'm just imagining people like starting the podcast and then there's this like <laughs> you know what I mean? and i'm like maybe it's better with like some music and like you don't want something like screaming in someone's ear do you know what i mean yeah i hear you i hear you um well any suggestions would be very really appreciated because we obviously clearly have no idea where to go from there no. but we definitely do need an intro yeah. um which is yeah something we really need to look at yeah so if anyone knows how to make one or like anyone is is good with like music stuff and whatever could it could make us one that would be amazing yeah just pop us a message on our instagram it's actually i've got a couple of instagram questions i'm going to answer in this episode as well a couple of people that that messaged me but yeah if anyone got any any advice for us on on an intro <laughs> please be greatly appreciated no definitely but other than that uh welcome back to wilds of critical stories i'm craig reed and i'm carolina Marie. and uh today we're just gonna have a bit of a catch-up episode i mean me and carolina haven't done one of these for quite a few weeks right yeah exactly except for the one i was joining at a different podcast yeah that was cool i overheard it i haven't listened to it just yet but i'm gonna Such listen a bad to... boyfriend yeah i try um <laughs> but we i am planning on listening to that tomorrow um and yeah but i did overhear a bit of it and it sounded really interesting yeah so i joined the photographer's mindset podcast on uh, on their podcast talking about uh yeah more like mindset around photography and all that kind of stuff and how do you measure success and those kind of things and it was really really cool i love their podcast highly recommend it you guys should check it out and it was awesome joining them so i've done that but we together haven't done a podcast yeah. in a couple of weeks because you guys also made a bit of fun of me as well i heard <laughs> yeah we did made a, we made, did. A, made a few jokes but you Craig. can't comment until you've listened yeah to i know podcast. i won't I exactly won't. But anyway, we, you and I haven't made, haven't done a podcast in, in quite a, a couple while. of weeks yeah. because I've been in Sweden, I stayed on in Sweden and you came back to South Africa to do some work and mm. uh, work at quite a variety of different reserve, reserves actually in quite a short time. Yeah, I mean, I've been to five different parts of Kruger National Park in the last, well now it's been a month, but it was in the space of, of three weeks I was, I was operating in in five different areas of the Kruger National Park. And I know everyone thinks the Kruger National Park is kind of the Kruger National Park, but there's such a variety of different um, different ecosystems within the park itself. So it was really nice. I saw five completely different areas, which was quite amazing. Yeah, so I think you've got quite a lot to talk about. I do, I you, do. You had quite an experience at the different places. And <laughs> I don't know if we want to do our scenarios first. Yeah. We haven't done um, that in a bit, so... Yeah. Do you want to start? I'm going to start by a large scenario that you 
you're quite familiar with, would you rather host a bush drinks for like 40 people? Or would you host, host late shift at night for the same 40 people? Oh, no, bush drinks, definitely. Why? What? Bush drinks is like one of the most fun things you do as front of house. That is like, that why? was... Why? Why? Okay, so for those who don't know what a bush drinks is, that is when uh, at the, at many five star, star lodges, uh, the front of house will go out in the bush and set up drinks and you know set up a table with like lots of snacks and maybe there will be a fire and like um you know it's nice and everything and then the guests arrive with the guide and it's like a surprise that wow here's the the setup in the middle of the bush and you have drinks and maybe have gin at one place we worked at we had like a gin tasting mm. which was really cool so yeah uh, that is I think for me personally, that was one of the most fun things with being a front of house. It is a mission because you need to pack up everything into a vehicle and then you need to drive over there and pack everything up there. And then you need to, the worst part is because you're there for sundowners, you need to pack up everything in the dark and then drive back to the lodge. Uh, so it can be quite stressful and it's quite like almost heavy work because you're carrying a lot and whatever. But it is so much fun because it's so pretty and as a front of house as well, it gives you a chance of getting out in the bush and like, you know, we've had lions walking past the bush drinks and elephants. Do you elephants. still have those photos? I do. That's I do. amazing. Those photos are really cool. Yeah, maybe I'll post it on my Instagram <laughs> yeah, after this. Yeah, you should. But yeah, so like for me, that was so much fun and it's also easier to accommodate 40 people in a bush drinks where you're literally just pouring drinks and like there's snacks that yeah. people can do. A late shift for a dinner is probably the worst things that I know because I'm definitely a morning person, <laughs> not a night person, so I get tired. And then you never really know when it's going to end because you always have to stay until like the last guest go to bed or whatever. And you never really know when people are going to go to bed, so you're just like standing around waiting and you can't really be productive doing any admin yeah. at the time. So you're just standing around waiting and I hate that. I think, I think for you, Bush Drinks is a lot more fun than a guide. Mm. Um, you know, I think from my side, I didn't really think about this, but it's nice to kind of compare the different positions right now where, you know, as the guide, you are, you, it, that's a planned afternoon that you can't, and we all know like game viewing is not planned. And I used to get really frustrated, didn't I? With, you um, hated I it. hated bush <laughs> drinks because I always used to say, I am the architect of my own game drive, which I am. But when you have a bush drinks, it, you can't be because you have to be at a certain place at a certain time before the bloody sun goes down and it's just, ah. And if you're not there, the front of the oh house is very angry word, at you. Oh my word, you don't understand how angry these guys and girls that work uh, the front office and hosts are when you're a little bit late. It's, it's crazy. Uh, you have to go there on like, bent knee and say sorry and beg for forgiveness okay it's not that bad but just <laughs> to compare the difference the different positions is you know i like to plan my game drive i'm like okay i want to go north today because i want to i want to go look for leopard but when you have an hour and a half sometimes it's not enough and you have to come screaming back to your bush drink so your guests can have a gin and tonic now it is i'm not taking anything away from bush drinks it is an amazing experience and i'm yet to have guests complain about Bush drinks. But in a guide's mind, there is nothing more important than game viewing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that, which is true is why people are here. Me and the guides, or me and other guides, have had multiple discussions about this. And saying, well, 
you know, what's more important, the gin and tonic or that. I remember, do you but remember you're the one about, specific yeah, time? You and the guys. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. It was one specific time where our head, my head guide at the time, I don't know if you were hosting that drink, where you just drove past the drink stuff. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we're not going to mention any names, but the the Because he was leader, going to a leopard. Because we all had seen, we had an amazing leopard on the first, drive with those guests it was a big group and our head guide had gone north for lions or something and we found lions the next morning but it was like there wasn't a leopard found on the reserve for the next two days just like one of those bad like kind of time frames and it was the last afternoon with these guests and they were obviously all part of one big group and um, they were obviously all talking about the leopard sighting and this vehicle my head guide's guest had not seen a leopard yet. So there was a leopard just south of the drink stop. By just south, I'm meaning a kilometer or two kilometers. And he, the fastest route was going past the drink stop. So his guest saw this beautiful lit up uh, drink stop with all their friends and family there. And he just cruised straight past it. <laughs> so I found that quite humorous. But they did come to the drink stop. They did eventually. That, yeah. that was very late. But I think uh, this actually, we we should... I think we should stop talking about this now because this come this does lead into a very interesting discussion of like as you say in the guides' minds yeah. there's no more, nothing more important than game viewing and and this is very interesting when it comes to like the lodge dynamic and the different staff and the different roles at the lodges and, and think, conflict at the lodges yeah and I, I think we should dedicate a whole episode to that yeah and I think that it is, is not yeah, today yeah that's an idea it's <laughs> not right now we've got so much for this episode but definitely we should. We should come back to this because I remember how me and you used to be at each other's throats at times. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But anyway. My answer is I prefer brush drinks over a late evening shift. Okay, 100%. okay, cool. Yeah. But let's get into your experience now that you've been back in South Africa for a bit working at all these different reserves. And you also had a few questions on Instagram that you wanted to bring I up. did. I'm not going to mention anyone um, that I got. I'm not going to mention the names of the people I got them from because I do disagree with some, um, uh, some of the, yeah, well, it is what it is. And, um, one person asked me about the OSVs in the Kruger National Park. Now, an OSV is an open safari vehicle and now we're talking about the national park itself. We're not talking about the greater Kruger National Park. We're not so talking we're, about the private area. We're talking about the self-drive The self-drive area where you will be in your self-drive vehicle, but also there are, uh, operators tourism operators or tour operators sorry that's the word tour operators that are based outside the park that'll pick up people at various houses or guest houses or lodges on the outskirts of the park uh, and drive them into the park for the day it's normally targeted at guests that aren't in the area for a very long time or can't afford the uh the lodges or lodges are fully booked and then they pick them up in an open vehicle safari there's a professional guide with them and they go in for the day or for the morning or for the afternoon and um, this specific person on my Instagram that, that asked me, um, how do you feel about it? There was definitely a very, I got a very negative feel from this person. Uh, they seemed to think it was all negative. And um, I understand like people that go to the Kruger National Park, they, especially if they've been going for years, there's definitely been an influx of these open safari vehicles. There's, there's been more and more of them coming in. I think we need to explain why there's a negative feel because we have heard this before from a lot Absolutely. of people. It's a com it's a quite yeah. a common thing that people are upset with the OSVs and complain about them. Mm. And I think we maybe we should explain for the people who d haven't been and don't know 
why it is a negative thing. So or why why people feel it's a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, that's you're you're hundred percent right. I think why people get this negative feeling is because when they first became a, a a new thing, you know, they all had radio contact. Not that they don't have radio contact now, but there was a lot of racing around. There was a lot of selfishness at sightings from the OSVs. Um, where there would be, for for example, a leopard or a lion sighting, and there would be ten OSV vehicles. Then none of the none of the private vehicles could actually view the animal. So that is a, a kind of it, it's a massive negative. But those issues have been addressed. Um, nowadays, for example, they have these big stickers with a Sandpox logo on with a number. So this specific operator has vehicle number two four two or whatever with an emergency contact number if this if you as a person driving in the park sees this person doing something negligent you pick up your phone the operator and you say hey listen this is i just want to report vehicle number 242 for doing this so that's how it's kind of gotten a lot more regulated guides are a lot are now starting to be a lot more respectful however in all these guides defense i feel they don't get enough credit from the 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 general public um, I feel they only get a negative rap. Um, no one ever compliments them. There's always a lot of negativity about them. And to be honest, I just want to, for people that are listening that have experienced this before, have seen these vehicles, I just want to put you in their shoes. You know, I've never done the open vehicle safari thing in the Kruger National Park itself. But these guys have one day. They have people that are coming to South Africa that are trying to see everything in just one day. This guide is under so, so, so much pressure. Like, just, just feel for the guy. And now, don't get me wrong, someone cutting you off in a sighting or really just behaving badly in a sighting with his guest, maybe being too loud or something, that's unacceptable. <clears throat> but just try bear with the guy if he is trying to reposition his vehicle. Uh, you as a South African or someone that comes to the Kruger National Park quite a bit is, you know, remember the people on his vehicle are only coming once. This is their only time and probably their only drive in the Kruger National Park. I'm not saying that's every single case. Um, another foot that I've got there or another stand that I want to make on behalf of these OSV vehicles or these open safari vehicles is the fact that they take away traffic from the park itself. So you have the, you each OSV is probably can seat up to 10. Nowadays, they don't really seat 10. It's usually six to eight max. That is four couples at max capacity. If they were to book their own experience in Kruger, they were going to be driving themselves. That's four extra vehicles in the Kruger National Park per OSV. Sometimes there's 50 OSVs in the entire Kruger National Park, even more over festive season. So it does take traffic away from the park itself. Um, so those are just a few small things that you need to consider. I don't know. Would you agree, Carolina? Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, I do understand where people get their frustration from because we have had bad experiences. Mm. But I also feel that there's, it's not every OSV. It's not no. every guide. It is, you know, it's there's a few bad ones. And you also understand they're under a lot of pressure. And sometimes they, they take advantages uh, that they shouldn't and so on. And they don't, they don't really consider other people and whatever and uh, and they also their vehicles are much bigger and like taller yeah. than than the most uh like personal vehicles that people drive so they 
sometimes they park like in front of you and then you can't see over their vehicle yeah. and you like literally can't see anything. I also feel like we've had quite good experiences with OSV guides. Yeah. Like sometimes they will actually stop you and be like, hey, you know what? There's a leopard like just up the road. Just look to the left or whatever. It's right there in a tree or it's down by the bushes or whatever. Like explaining to you, trying to help you find something. And that is very appreciated. And, you know, even the radio contact contact that they have with other vehicles, they will sometimes let you know, especially if you like, you know, you're driving on a less busy road and you just stop and say hi, whatever, because you often do that in Kruger. You stop and you talk to people and see what they've seen and so on. And they will like let you know what has been seen that morning. So that is also a very positive thing that I think you need to remember when you talk about OSB guides. That it's not, not everyone is a bad guy. It's a few of them that unfortunately then brings down the whole yeah we call it industry or well, i think that's just how human, the human brain works people focus on negativity they can have 10 good experiences but that one bad experience just outweighs everything um which is quite sad because like you said we have had guides that have stopped next to us and said hey listen you know there's there's this really cool sighting just down the road absolutely so i think there's definitely you know, there's positive sides and there's there's negative sides, unfortunately. But so is the same thing with, you know, some of these self-drivers, like, you know, people who aren't there professionally. Yeah, there is people who really don't follow the rules and have, are very disrespectful who, Seriously. who aren't, like, working or anything or have or are under pressure that literally they're just there driving themselves. Literally, like, they're on holiday and um, at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning, they're opening up their first beer. Yeah. And by two o'clock, they're hammered and they're driving around. That is like one of the most dangerous things you can do. Absolutely. And, you know, people, there's people trashing, uh, you know, just throwing trash out, outside the windows. There's people who get out of their vehicles in sightings. There's, we've seen a lot of dumb shit and maybe there yeah, should also yeah, be an episode yeah, 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 yeah. talking about the stupid <laughs> stuff that we've seen in Kruger. Uh, I think there's a Facebook group, isn't there? Kruger Idiots. Yeah. Yeah, Kruger Idiots. There is a Facebook group. So funny. Anyway, uh, so that's that's our feelings yeah. on OSVs. I think just, you know, if we can just end with, just take the time to think about the guide itself, you know, um, and think about how much pressure he's on. He's not just on his holiday. This is his job. Yeah. But um, enough on enough on that. Next question. Yes. Um, we had, um, is, it's really funny, actually. I, I think it's really humorous. Is, is it, fra so I'm going to start by saying, um, an all-inclusive lodge uh, basically means when you get there, everything's included. You know, drinks, uh, meals, game drives, everything. Not every package, but some of these lodges have these all-inclusive packages. So, I got a question that is it frowned upon to take the gin home that is in your room? And the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> it's very much frowned upon. It has happened to us. It's happened, yeah. At one has. of the lodges we worked at, where there was an all-inclusive place, so we had this like beautiful gin bar in the room, uh, with like you know little uh, dried what do you call them clementines. clementines, and there was a beautiful glasses, and you could like make your own. It was the own... citrus gin. Yeah. yeah, and you could make your own gin and tonic in your room. Yeah, uh, and it was like a beautiful little setup, and it's beautiful and whatever. But people would take these gin bottles and take them home, and that's not the idea. And I know that people say, okay, it's an all-inclusive place, but it's kind of the same thing as like 
<laughs> you know, if anyone would have watched Friends and seen that episode of Ross trying to like yeah. take everything that he can <laughs> from the hotel, that's kind of the same that's thing. Brilliant. You know, let me take the light bulbs, let me take the you know this and this and the batteries from the remote. He takes the battery. <laughs> yeah, and that's not okay. Like that's the same thing with taking the gin bottle. Or like emptying the mini bar, like it's yeah, it's just weird. You can drink as much as you like while you're there, but don't take it home because that's frowned upon. It's basically like coming to the bar before you leave. On like when your transfer comes to fetch you at the lodge, and you're saying, "Oh, can I take six beers?" By the way, yeah, you know, it's the exact same thing. But I think um, a bottle of gin is like twenty beers. Yeah, it's like, it's like can I just have a case of beers for the road? Um, so yeah, it is one hundred percent frowned upon. Don't do that, people. I promise you, if you do that, the, the lodge, lodge staff, staff are going to yeah. talk about you afterwards. Yeah. We always did, and same thing with like some people. It hasn't. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes people will take like a towel or you know, and that's very much. I've heard upon. about like chairs. Jeez. I've heard like deck How chairs. did they get away with chairs? I don't know. So like it was like these, you know, like we had those wooden fold-up chairs. Yeah. I've heard about like people have snuck out at night and like put them in their car. Oh my word! I've heard about it. I, I whether it's true or not, I don't know, and I want that on record, obviously. But I have heard that people have like stolen chairs and stuff like that. And it's just it's those small things. Um, but yeah, going back to the gin, uh, it is frowned upon, and uh, yeah, we. If you were a repeat guest to a lodge and you did that, we probably would have been like, oh, yeah, the guest is still the gin. That's how we would probably remember you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it is frowned upon. Uh, but Same thing it, with some of the, like, shampoos and stuff. Like, sometimes you'll have, like, you know, those mini shampoos in the room. and I've those taken you can, those mini shampoos. Those you can take. Those are fine. You know, the mini travel yeah, ones. Yeah, but those big ones. But those big ones, that happen to us all the time. The African college like, yeah. long glass bottles that are, like, it's, like, exactly. I, I think it's, like, 250 or 300 mils of shampoo. And the thing is not the shampoo. It's the bottle. Because yes, Because we exactly. would refill those. And, you know, Put we... Put that shampoo in your, your own bottle. It's fine. <laughs> Just leave us the bottle. Those are missions. Yeah. Oh, like that's the thing because we would use the, those bottles to refill and then we couldn't do that because people took the bottles and then we ran out of bottles it was very frustrating so don't do that people oh here comes the dog <laughs> coming to say hi to us hello jack hey jackie hey. Are you, do you want to be on the podcast do you want to be on a podcast so that's pretty much it for the questions that i've received over the last couple of weeks um but yeah, keep them coming because I quite enjoy having these these uh, discussions. It's quite fun. It's awesome to get questions from you guys. And we're actually thinking about doing for our 10th episode to do a Q&A. So keep an eye on, out on our Instagrams for we'll do like a little question box and then people can drop their questions and we'll do a whole episode just answering your guys' questions. Um, but yeah, moving on to pretty much what I have... Like we've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, myself and Carolina have not been um, together for... Uh, the last couple of weeks, Caroline has been in Sweden. Super unusual for us. Yeah, we're normally joined at the hip. <laughs> um, and uh, I have been doing various projects and various jobs uh, with clients, freelancing, whatever the case may be, uh, but over five different areas in Kruger. And I thought I'd just touch a little bit on guiding professionalism and lodge professionalism as a whole, um, where I have been quite disappointed in some in some areas and like really pleasantly surprised or actually not surprised just like just super proud to have sent clients to that lodge or have been 
uh, to that lodge. And I actually want to start with um, the lodge, and I'm going to mention the name uh, because I was like just super blown away and just absolutely loved every minute of it. And it was Klesiri Camps in Zumba. I just want to take my hats off to Jamie and Siobhan, who are the managers there. Uh, Peter, who was my tracker, I was private guiding. I took uh, five, uh, four guests, the aunts and family from Spain, and we stayed there for five nights. And it was it was just amazing. We did, had such a unique itinerary where they wanted to do full days. So we went out into the glissary for the whole day. Morning to evening, it was tiring. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> what was, it was amazing. was your longest day? My was... longest day was 13 hours. 13 hours out on safari. On safari. But it was an amazing safari. So this is part of what we do as well as Kruger. Yeah, you pretty can, much. You can private guide. You can book us as, as your guides, either me as a photographic guide or you as like a normal private guide. Yeah. And you go with the guests then to yeah, these Yeah, I lodges. pick you up at the airport. I take you everywhere. And that's pretty much what I did with the Anson family. And um, yeah, we got there. And from the moment we got to Nzumba, I mean, it was just next level. Uh, Siobhan and Jamie went above and beyond. We were like, I kind of just said to them, hey, listen, you know, like, just pack some stuff. I've explained that meals aren't going to be lavish because we, we have to be out in the bush. And they, they shot me down immediately, Jamie and Siobhan, and they said, nah, Craig, just radio us two hours before you want lunch and we'll bring it to you. So they legged all the way to wherever I was on the reserve to bring me lunch or to bring my clients lunch. They went above and beyond. Their service, their chef, just absolutely incredible so hats off well done to Klesiri Camps and Zumba and the entire team there as well as um, Don and Lee Leanne the operations managers of the 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 whole umbrella or Klesiri Camps itself they're doing an incredible job so well done to you guys and highly recommend that lodge Oof, could not it's overlooking this beautiful little waterhole where we actually saw a kill we saw uh hyenas kill an impala I no way know, did i not tell you no you didn't tell um, me um so we were we were sitting at um dinner the one night and um it, it's winter so hyenas are it, it's it's uh, the area has a high density of hyenas and we saw four hyenas just come to the waterhole and then there was this this impala uh, that kind of like went down to drink and then I was like, well, oh guys, there's Impala and some hyenas. The hyenas were just lying there. So we are like, okay, cool. They're just cooling down. But I don't think the Impala had seen the hyenas. And we went back to dinner and all of a sudden we just heard running and fence breaking. And so we came out of the spotlight and um, these hyenas were all over the place chasing whatever they were chasing. The Impala wasn't there. And we're like, oh, well, they obviously missed. And we started to move back inside. And then all of a sudden, we just heard, Mah! and they chased this impala into the water. And two of them were on it in the pan itself. And that was all in front of the lodge. So just immaculate, just amazing. Next level. Um, so yeah, game viewing was great um, there. And um, But on with all good comes negative, not at this property. I'm not going to mention what property. Because I've been, no one will figure it out because I've been at five different properties. Um, but Klesiri Camps and Zumba was next level. I I came across, and I want to talk to you about it, Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. and Tell me. Most of these these the the dis of these discussions we're about to have about l lodging professionalism, guiding professionalism. I I want to get Carolina's advice. Someone that's not a guide but has been on a management team at a lodge. Um, and, um, so I came across, I was working on a reserve a couple of weeks later, 
and uh, it wasn't for the lodge I was working at. Um, I was uh, I was doing work at a specific property, and then on this reserve, there's other lodges, and then you all traverse the same area. And I came across this guide that stuck out his hand to greet me, and I said, "Hi, um, I'm Craig," and his his hands were quite dirty, and um, he had a torn torn shirt like on the shoulder. And this is the the property that he this this individual works at is quite a quite a high ranking property. He had a torn shirt. His hair was was a mess, and he had a very big patchy beard. And then to top it all off, he was missing a tooth. But he can't he can't blame a guy for that. I'm not blaming him for missing a tooth. I'm blaming the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you look yourself in the mirror and go, "Well, I'm missing a tooth." Can I make the rest of myself look better? You know, because it is possible. I know, I know guides, I know trackers, I know lodge staff. Just any that are missing teeth. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, if you were driving around with a torn shirt and messy hair, even though you're not missing a tooth, you still come off as pro unprofessional. I think the missing tooth doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay, yeah, fair, 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 fair. The missing tooth doesn't have it, but, but I think I'm just of the opinion you should compensate the fact because yes, getting a tooth is expensive. Um, and, you know, maybe it just happened, maybe I'm being overly critical, but, you know, from my experience in management and as in my guide, I've, I've worked and I've always said, you know, first impressions are important. Like they are, they're very, very important as a guide. And, um, you know, just, just, you know, wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and say like, okay, let me just comb my hair. Let me just Yo. shave. Because I do have a tooth. I do have a tooth missing. I hundred percent agree with you, but I don't think the missing tooth has anything to do with it. I think you, as a guide, should look professional, okay. no matter what, you know. And then, yeah, he happens to have a missing missing tooth, and that's unfortunate. But and yes, if he was like well combed and had a shirt that wasn't torn, it would be a little bit better. But it would be a lot better. I it think would be, I wouldn't be focusing on the missing tooth anymore. It was just the, the the man looked like a homeless crackhead. Yeah, but even if you don't have a missing tooth and you don't and you still wear like a, a shirt that is torn and you have messy hair and a patchy beard, you still don't come off as pro professional. Even if you have a perfect perfect set of teeth. Even if you got that Colgate mouth. Absolutely, you know, you know what I mean. The teeth is not the thing. I hear you. It's the professional you. outlook in general. I hear you. And you, as a guide, should be professional. So I don't think that you you're focusing on the tooth a lot. And I think I just feel sorry for the guy missing a tooth. Shame. But yeah, I don't agree right. with the way he was dressed and you know and having dirty hands and whatever. Yes, being a guide is quite a messy job. You 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 know you change tires and stuff, so you get dirty. But still, you kind of need to look professional and yeah, you know your guests they put their lives in your hands mm. and they also trust you with you know with giving them the best experience and driving around in the bush and so on and you need to look professional for them to to feel comfortable with you and feeling and also just you know looking professional for the lodge sake they're spending a lot of money being on safari they they deserve having a, a guide that is looking professional and doesn't look like he's just rolled out of bed you know what i mean exactly yeah so, um, okay, thanks for the input because yeah, I was very taken aback. I mean, that was one of the first times I've ever come across something like that. And they were, they don't are, hate people because they're missing tooth. I didn't. It's not about the tooth, but anyway, uh, but anyway, it was Craig the tooth tooth missing hater. Yeah, don't, come, don't come to me if you're missing a tooth. I'm kidding. Obviously, it's not about the. Tooth. It was about the entire kind of 
package okay, that I okay. saw. Um, but anyway, moving away from that, because I think we'll just keep circling back to the tooth. <laughs> and it wasn't about the tooth. Um, you know, you can, again, but you can be the best guide in the world. It's just the way you've presented yourself is, sorry. But moving on. I then at another property went on to, and I was actually tracking a cheetah. Um, with my guests. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, we don't see cheetah too often, uh, especially in the greater Kruger National Park. I mean, just think the, the population is not that high in Kruger itself. So it's, it's difficult to find. So as soon as you, you hear about tracks, you find tracks, you're there and you're, you're excited about following up on this animal. And, um, uh, I was with my track and we were hot on the trail. Um, we had the, the tracks were found in the morning and we were then tracking that afternoon and the tracks were hot. We had fresh scat for the animal and we were, we were, we were starting to get excited cause we we're like, now nah, this animal's here, this animal's here. So I, we had to divert our course cause we were on foot and we had to divert our course cause we came across a, an Ascari of, um, uh, elephant bulls, which is basically just a little bachelor herd of elephant bulls. And, uh, so we had to go back to the vehicle. Um, so we left the tracks for a while. So I went to the vehicle to, and I was like, we've been tracking for a while. Let me show my guests something. And, um, we sat with these elephant bulls for a while and all of a sudden to my left, I heard like off-roading vehicles, off-roading, you know, crashing over trees and grass and, and my tracker looked at me and said, well, what? What's going on there? And I was like, well, I don't know. And he looked and he's like, uh-uh, Craig. Fresh cheetah tracks. Cars off-roading. Craig, there's, there's stations in that block. They've got the cheetah. And I was like, well, that's very weird. You know, they've, they've, like, we've all got radio contact. Why? This is a huge reserve. Vehicle density is not high. Why are people hiding, hiding sightings? And I was like, okay, let me just go, go investigate. So I go around and he's like, Craig, I can see two vehicles moving there. I'm, he says to me, I'm sure they're hiding the sighting. Now, this is me doing a freelance gig. So I was I was freelancing. I was helping out a property. What does hiding a sighting mean? Um, oh, so you you have a, you don't call in. You find a high profile sighting. So a leopard, a lion, uh, a, cheetah. a cheetah, and you don't call anyone. Okay. So we're all in radio contact just to keep you to keep you guys in the loop. If you want more information on that, go back to our last episode or our episode quite a few episodes ago. Yeah. With the Greater Kruger. And you'll find out that everyone's in radio contact in the area. But hiding a sighting is when you don't call that specific animal in and you just kind of spend time with it. And it's like the worst thing you can do as a it's, guide. Yeah, we've all done it. Like, we've all done it. But I'm going to really? go into, of course, of oh. course, if there's any guide on here that says, I've never heard a sighting, shut up, you have. There's, but it's very frowned upon. It's it. very frowned upon. And it upon. causes a lot of fights. But um, I've had sightings on reserves where there's 30 cars, where I've tracked a, a leopard for two and a half hours, and I know I'm going to get pressured out the sighting within 10 minutes. I kind of find the animal, and I'm like, oh, let me just chit-chat for 20 minutes. And uh, I'm going to explain to you how it was different to when I hit a sighting, why you're uh, right and they're wrong. <laughs> there's no right. There's no rights and no wrongs here. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Of Wilder's okay. Kruger story. So, um, I, <laughs> my tracker says this is Craig off road. Yeah, the tracks are going in here. Go. So I go and there is this beautiful female cheetah on this termite mound with two other vehicles in. 
So I'm freelancing. I'm new there. I'm. It's the first time I've freelanced on that reserve. So I kind of just slip into the sighting. You don't want to cause shit. I don't want to cause any problems. No. So I sit there. My guests are like, whoa, cheetah. Great. They have no idea what's going on. Because uh, we've been, me and my tracker have been communicating in Shangan, uh, which is the local language of the area. Yeah, so the, the, the three Americans in the back just didn't know what was going on. They were just like, wow, you found us a cheetah. Fantastic. But what the worst thing about it was they'd obviously been hiding the sighting for the entire 45 minutes to an hour I was tracking the animal. Because they had a sighting rotation on their private channel. Vehicles were leaving around me and coming in. So they were communicating somehow with each other from their specific lodge. So the poor guys at the other lodges mm. that know that cheetah is an incredibly special animal. Didn't get a chance. So they wouldn't get a chance. So mm. their lodge would circle in to see this before anyone else. And that just defeats the the, the objective. We're all out there for the same thing. Mm. And... Yeah, I, I was just a, a little bit disappointed. Eventually, I had thrown a, a bit of a, a spanner in the works because I was like there and I was like trying to get hold of the guys that I work with because it was quite new to me because on lodges I've always worked, everyone generally works as a team. Um, and why this was different to hiding a sighting, they'd obviously had this animal for a long time. And then poor Craig was tracking this thing, but it had already been found. Yeah, that's quite shit because you you are now putting a lot of work Effort. into into something yeah. that's already been found. Exactly. When they could have just let you know that, hey, Craig, we know you're tracking this. Like we've we've got it. So now, just come here. now, should we get to the situation where I'm right and they're wrong? Yeah. <laughs> where I was working on a reserve permanently before, um, I was tracking a a female leopard once, and um, tracked it for about two and a half hours. I started tracking with two other vehicles. Um, and then after the first, after 45 minutes, they were like, okay, cool, I'm done, I'm out. And then there was no, no one really interested in that area. So I kept tracking, found her. And I know it's a, it's a really commercial reserve, so there's going to be like 30 vehicles coming out. And I'm going to be pressured out the sighting. So everyone else is somewhere else on the reserve. It's going to take them f like probably 10 or 15 minutes to get you. But I'm I'm kind of like, I've worked hard for this. She was in a beautiful marula tree. Sun was setting. Picturesque. I was like, nah. I've worked hard for this. No one else has. I'm going to sit here. And then what I did was half an, after half an hour, I called the guys that started tracking with me. And I said, guys, if you... I, I said, what's your location? I finally found her. You put in a bit of effort. And they were all far. But I spent about 45 minutes with her. But no, that was until the first vehicle came. So I spent about 30 minutes hiding the sighting and i feel like i was entitled to that <laughs> i worked hard um and if someone had found me i would have apologized and said sorry but you know i'd work quite hard where other people were just responding to areas but if someone was tracking that female leopard or in the same area you wouldn't hide it from no them. or someone else was tracking another female and was really struggling mm. kind of putting in the the effort i was in a specific area i would call that guy to a private channel and say hey listen i've got this this leopard here, come join me um, and, you know, then we'll call it in. It's just, it's about prioritizing people that have put in a lot of effort. Because the problem, the problem is that some, some guides just literally listen to the radio and then just drive around to sightings. Exactly. And they don't put any effort in themselves to track these, these animals. So if you, if you put in an hour or two hours to track one specific animal 
and then someone else comes and bumps you from that from that sighting just because they are listening to the radio yeah. and they're, they're the quick, quickest to respond to the radio, then that is a bit unfair when they are not putting in any effort to find their own animals yeah. and not helping you out exactly. yeah, the next day or whatever. But yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying, um, but I'm sure there's going to be people arguing with you that you... That I shouldn't have hit the sighting. No. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you know what, it's... Uh, is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. Did I bend the rules? I did. Um, <laughs> and I, I pro- people are going to call me a hypocrite because now I'm shouting at guys that, that hit a cheetah sighting. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like there's there's certain risks, but don't run a run run for standbys and have two vehicles in the sighting around where other people can't actually they don't know what's going on. I mean that that just seems a little bit unfair. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I um, think it's time for us to start wrapping this podcast up because we've been talking for a bit now. Have we? Yes. And I do want to do the last scenario. Oh, we've got another scenario. We've got another scenario. And this is a bit of a funny one that I just came up with. Uh, That, again, this is something that This is why she's hurrying it up. (laughs) She wants to do this scenario. We have had this situation before. um, Plenty of times. Not just plenty, like very often. Um, Okay, so you are at the lodge. You're working freelancing or working permanently. It doesn't really matter. Um, A guest rocks up with three different camera bodies three different lenses they're all the newest it's all mirrorless it's like you know the r5 i'm already angry yeah it's like the r5 400 2.8 you know like that vibe you know that it is the newest it's the best it's the top of the top 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 and this guy because it's always a guy. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's always... That's so sexist. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's always a guy. He is like, yeah, I didn't really know which, le- which lenses I needed for a safari. So I went to my local uh, camera shop and I just bought the best things that they recommended. And he has like three bodies with three different lenses and whatever. And he shoots on auto. I'm, I'm resigning. <laughs> yeah, okay. So now you, you've got three options. One... You just stick it out and you say, oh, that's a great shot to every photo that he's like, look, this is good. Look at this photo. Look at this photo I took. And you say, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that is so great. Wow. Wow. You stick it out. Or you resign. (laughs) You just leave right there and then. Or you try to be like, hey, like, let me show you some settings you can use. So, it it's dependent on it's it's very situation specific. I mean, if this guy is the guy, it can be a girl. We've had a lady as well before. Oh, that is true. We did have a lady. Oh my word! Remember, and she took she her lens all, off. On, and while the vehicle was moving with all the dust, and oh, she was changing word. her lenses. And she was changing the her lens in the dust behind. So they, you know, we have to tell this story. Tell the story. There was a, there was two vehicles driving behind each other. It was you and our former manager driving behind each other, and. Uh, she was on our former manager's vehicle behind your vehicle, and it was. I think m- we we're gonna go. We would. We, we resp- we're going to a leopard sighting or something. Yeah, we're going to something. From what I some some sighting. So I understand her panic with changing lenses because I've been there too, and you need to. Sometimes you need to change quickly and whatever. But when you change, you are flipping careful because this is expensive and dust is the worst thing that can happen. So it's midwinter, which means it's dry season in Kruger, which means it's super dry and oh. very dusty when you're on game drive. So you do not want to change your your lens like 
out on game drive at all, really. But especially not driving behind another vehicle that is kicking up all this dust coming to you. Like, oh my word. And she didn't just change her lens. She, like, left it on the seat next to her and, like, digging around for, like, five minutes trying to find this other lens. And, like, just leaving the... Oh my word. I wasn't there, but it just makes me, like, my skin crawl just thinking it's the about first, it. It's the first thing... Um... Our former manager said to me, he got off the vehicle, he was like, you have no idea what just happened. And it was, like, she had very nice equipment. It like, wasn't just the very, cheap, cheap, very, like, it very. was it was very nice equipment that we all were like, we would have loved to have that and we would have taken much better care of it. So, yeah. But going back to the situation, I mean, the scenario, you know, it, it's, it's situation specific. I mean, if they were um, quite, like, arrogant... Uh, you know, you get certain people that there's just no getting through to them. Um, and I think if there's any guides or managers or anyone in the lodge industry, that they'll know these people, know exactly who I'm talking about, um, that are just like, I know better. And they're the ones that you just look at the photo and go, great, great shot, man. Oh, should send that to Nat Geo. It's perfect, but it's actually like out of focus. and Just, just, just saying uh, also, because sometimes the photos are great and we are honest when we no, say they're great. No, we are. No, 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 no. Yeah, so I so, feel bad now. But but sometimes they're not. For example, like um, uh, the Anson family I had now, mm. all of them very up there with photography and their photos were immaculate. Mm. Um, Lindsay, who I had recently in the Kruger, amazing. But yeah, there are some people, and you know, it tends to actually be these kind of people that you're speaking about. Yeah. Because like the people that aren't arrogant about their photography are generally the the, the ones that the are good. good photographers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you that that that's the one situation where you kind of just like, yeah, great man, because there's no there's never going to be getting through to that man or mm. that woman, whoever. Um, and then the other one is like someone that approaches you and like, ah, oh, I really didn't. Who's just got boatloads of money? Yeah. And says to you, I, I, I honestly didn't know what to do, and I kind of just didn't. I was going to invest in photography, and I just built, bought them all. Um, but and then you can kind of help each other out and kind of go, well, let me, let me just. Are you interested in learning some settings? So it's all based on situation. Exactly. Yeah, that's. But true. do that's I have true. to give an answer? Yeah, you resign. I probably no. Yeah, I resign. <laughs> um, I would probably go with. Um, the the cool story bro you know that's yeah. great keep it up you know that's amazing it's just, it's kind of just a form of playing safe yeah um and i think it's what a lot of guys do do and it's the professional thing to do mm. always just play it safe because you don't know if that specific person is going to take offense to what you're about to say especially when it comes to photography like i find that a lot you know i don't like yeah i don't like to tell anyone any tips or anything yeah unless they ask for it yeah uh, so if someone comes with me on a workshop in a photographic trip, obviously they are there because they want to learn from me. So then I'm going to give them advice yeah. and tips and I'm going to try to teach them and whatever. But when we have been on, you know, sometimes you go with friends or you go with, you know, family and whatever. And people have a camera and they, you know, they photograph. Unless they ask me for advice, I don't say anything because it can be so offensive. Like people can take such offense and be like, oh, you oh am I so not good. good? And you think you're so good and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so unless people are asking me for advice, I never ever give them yeah. photogra I, I, photographic that, advice. And that would be my answer to the, the scenario. Yeah. It would be very situation specific. But probably, I would say, 
75% of the time you're playing it safe until someone asks for help. You Once you see someone with a camera, mm. you always make it clear to them as a guide and say, I'm also a photographer. If you if you need any assistance at any time, please just let me know. Mm. Uh, otherwise, go right ahead. Yeah. That's kind of how you generally do good it. Good answer, good answer. Yeah, been doing it a couple of years. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks guys for listening to this uh, little Bush banter, as we call banter. it. I like uh, the name. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it bush banter. And a catch-up kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, but guys, until next time. Until next time, take care. And I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes because we are loving it. Cheers, guys. Bye.